right, here we go. Welcome. Welcome to the 1,000 Hours Outside podcast. Uh, my name is Ginny Yerich. I'm the founder of 1,000 Hours Outside, and I'm thrilled for the third time uh, to be here with Greta Eskridge. Welcome, Greta. Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you again. <laughs> It's so fun. It's so fun to do podcasts with friends and it's fun to do repeat podcasts uh, because, you know, you can't get to everything in an hour. Plus, you have a brand new book coming out. So I'm going to hold it up because this will go on YouTube as well. But it is called 100 Days of Adventure, Nature Activities, Creative Projects and Field Trips for Every Season. It's so cute, Greta. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I mean, it's an adorable book. I like, um, I feel like she's a girl. I like her. Um, (laughs) I feel like it's my little baby, you know, I'm excited. You birthed the baby. It does feel like that. Oh my goodness. Putting out a book is so much work. Let me read your um, bio real quick. And then, and then I want to hop into this book. Okay. Ashgridge is the author of the book, Adventuring Together, How to Create Connections and Make Lasting Memories with Your Kids. So we talked about that one last time. Uh, Greta is passionate about creating connection, protecting children and chasing adventure. Greta shares her message of joyful, connected parenting on our website, her Instagram feed, and at speaking engagements around the country, which we've done. Uh, one of those together or maybe we'll have more Greta her husband Aaron and their four kids make their home I love that it says in sunny southern California <laughs> I should there's start a putting, lot of I'm, sun here <laughs> yeah, I'm from dreary Michigan <laughs> snowy Michigan beautiful Michigan I hear a lot of great things about Michigan it's on it my is. list of places I want to visit Yes, please come visit. It's beautiful. Only come in the summer, though. Um, so you've written these two books, Greta, and, and 100 Days of Adventure is your newest one. Tell us, just tell us your path here. Uh, tell us about why you wanted to write this book and um, sort of what was your inspiration? Well, um, I'm going to be totally honest and tell you that um, I, I hadn't really thought of this idea myself, like, uh taking these ideas that um, I actually live out every week with my own children and, and presenting it for other kids. But my publisher asked me, they're like, what do you think about doing a book about adventure for kids? And I was like, uh, yeah, of course. Yes. I say yes to that. And sometimes that is, um, I feel like we need somebody else to point out for us what is, yeah glaringly obvious. And so once they gave me the idea, um, it was just really fun to run with it. And, and I think for me, one of the most fun parts was remembering myself as, you know, eight or 10 year old Greta, what did she love to do? What were the things that lit her up inside? And, um, what were her dreams of grand adventures? What were the the small adventures that she did in her backyard? And, and I just really tried to write that book for her. And, um, and then also for my own kids and, talking about the things that we've done together. And then when I ran out of my own ideas, going to my kids and saying, help, I need more ideas. What else should I add? And they were so um, awesome at adding their own ideas. So that's kind of how this book came to life. I love that. And publishing companies are good like that. They know what parents um, and readers, they know what they they're wanting and what they need. And I think, um, 
any book that helps us foster connection and helps us get off of screens and helps us make memories together is so important. So you say it's an invitation to your child to say yes to adventure, an invitation to say yes to creating connection between your child and you and between your child and the real exciting, wonderful world. It's beautiful, Greta. Um, So one of the things you talk a lot about is your adventure club. Um, And I know you just mentioned that just a second ago. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we have, we are part of an adventure club and we have been for the past 12 years. I, um, I, along with a couple other moms, we started it when our oldest kids were five and those kids are all turning 18. My, my son turns 18 at the end of this week and graduating from high school. And so for their entirety of their school career, we have gone out once a week to adventure together with our families and then with this group of friends. And, um, it has just, it's entirely shaped our education, um, our family connections, the way we, um, just love to spend our free time because it's blossomed into not just being something we do once a week because we have to, because it's, you know, part of our school week, but it's actually what we love. I mean, my, that 18 year old son is going to be spending his 18th birthday on a backpacking trip because he's preparing for a, a much bigger backpacking trip this summer. Um, it's just become who we are and what we love to do. The thing it fills us up and, um, yeah, we, we can't imagine life without it. Yeah. It makes life so rich. Uh, so here's a story. I was speaking at a conference, uh, in South Carolina earlier this year and uh, a group of moms came up and they had started an adventure club because of the podcast that we had done together. One of the earlier yeah. ones. And I just thought that was so cool. They were like their adventure club buddies. So, yeah. uh, really neat what you're doing to inspire people to get together and, and to do things, to engage in life. Um, I think being outside is really a powerful place to connect because of course we're, we're distanced from distractions, right? Um, you know, I love just the simple fact that you can go to a lot of outdoor spots, at least where we live and there's no internet connection, you know, because it's tempting, not just for my kids, but it's tempting for me. Oh, let me check my email real fast or I'm waiting on a text or whatever. Um, so to have that level, that's just the distraction taken away for all of us is wonderful. And I think it's something we should purposely seek out. Um, but also just, there's just this special, um, specialness that comes when you're together outside uh, that I think provides a place for deepening those connections. It just comes easily, you know, when you're walking together side by side, uh, it's easy to talk to each other. When you're sitting around a campfire, it's easy to just share things. Um, you create memories that, you know, bond you together. And that's true as family members or for our kids with their friends, um, for us with our friends that we're adventuring together. So, um, yeah, I think that being outdoors and having adventures, it just, it creates wonderful connections. And that's for me, the biggest draw for adventuring, being outside together, all of those is just that opportunity to cultivate relationship. Yeah. And you have these unique memories that just you have together. Yeah. 
Um, you talk about in both books, um, just breaking out of routine. And and what I love about both of your books, Greta, is it doesn't have to be these huge things. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be climbing a mountain. It can be reading a really fascinating story together. Yes. Um, and how we break out break out of routine, it creates all these learning opportunities. And um, so can we talk about that a little bit? Uh, what are some of the ways that you guys, I mean, if you're, especially even if you're already an adventuring family, what are some of the ways that you break out of your routine? Oh, well, I think um, that's funny that you you said that because just the other night we, my kids and I were driving down to spend um, the Easter holiday with our family and um, we had to leave much later than scheduled. And so we were driving down at like 11 o'clock at night. And I told my teenagers, all three of them were riding with me. And, and I said, it's fun to be doing this late at night because it's just outside of our norm and it just feels different and it feels special. And so I think sometimes that happens accidentally. Sometimes we can plan for doing things out of the norm. And when we do it, just makes it special in a new kind of way. And it, it could be as simple as leaving on a trip at an odd hour, you know, leaving in yeah. the middle of the night or yeah. super early. So you catch the sunrise. And in fact, that reminds me, I have to tell you another great story about that. This was years ago when my youngest was like three years old and we were leaving for, we were leaving on a road trip and we left before the sunrise. And so we were driving and the sun started rising and we were all exclaiming about, Oh, it's so beautiful. Look at the sunrise. And um, our three-year-old got really upset. And we were like, why, what's wrong? Why are you so upset? And he said, I don't want the sunrise. I don't like it. And we're like, why don't you like it? Look how beautiful it is. This is so exciting. And he's like, I don't like it because now we just have to go to bed. And he was confused because he thought the sunrise was the sunset because he never got up at sunrise. <laughs> and so all he could think of was the sun is setting, the day is over, we have to go to bed. Um, but that was like an example of the routine getting mixed up. And um, we all thought it was special and he he didn't. But then that made such a great story that we laugh over to this mm -hmm. day. So, yeah, and it's a learning moment. Because it was. it's new. Yes. Yeah. So he's now he loves the sunrise. He often will purposely get up on his own. He's 10 years old and, and I'll find him outside just watching the sunrise because it's beautiful. It's different. It isn't the norm for him to be up at that time. And he's seeking out the beauty of something different. Yeah. And our brains are wired for that. Uh, so I just, I love that that's sort of what you push families toward, but in a way that's very attainable. So your book, uh, which is just really, it's, um, it's, uh, enticing, you know, all the illustrations. And then you also have pictures in here as well. So it's a mix of pictures and then, uh, just these really adorable illustrations. Uh, you split it up into seasons. So, uh, starting with summer, which is perfect because that's what we're on the cusp of here. And this book comes out. Um, May 5th, but May kind 3rd, of is yeah. May 3rd. It's kind of been a little all over the place because of COVID and uh, it's paper had some adventures. And, yeah, yeah, a couple different. Some, some people have gone theirs already. I and yes. I was able to get a copy, so yes, um, I was super excited about it. So, okay, it's a couple of the ones that stood out to me in the summer. Mm -hmm. 
was was the stuff on the water. So um, you've gone on a kayak trek uh, to Morro Bay, California. So it's interesting to read about some of your things in there because I mean we've never done that. I've never we've never gone tide pooling. Um, so I loved actually reading about some of your adventures. So tell us. And then you said there's other things that you can do like sailing class or paddle boarding. But tell us about kayaking in Morro Bay, California. Um, well, I love I, I I really wanted to include little stories um, that it wasn't just a. Um, activity book with the, this, you know, the directions. I wanted there to be a little story because I wanted to connect with the kids who are reading this book. And mm-hmm. um, I wanted them to feel like that we would get to know each other. And so I wanted to <laughs> much more than I could. Um, but in Morro Bay, we've gone there um, for as a family, that's our family vacation spot. And we've gone there for, I don't know, the last like 15 years. And, um, it's a really special place to go kayaking because there are California sea otters and, um, they often are swimming around with their babies that they keep the mamas, keep their babies on their chest as they swim. And, um, you can't get too close to them because you don't want to make them nervous, but you are close enough in your kayak that you could see them. You're not looking through binoculars. You could see them with your eyes. And, um, there are, um, there are also California sea lions and they're big and they're loud and they're laying on their like floating, like kind of a floating platform. And, um, they just are barking. And so you hear the sound of the barking seals and there's little otters swimming around and, there's like peregrine falcons that are flying overhead. And it's just, it feels like a a really magical place. And um, kayaking is hard work, actually, especially if you're kayaking in the ocean. This is a bay, but there's a strong current um, coming in from the ocean and it's hard work and you're tired, but it's beautiful. So it's worth it. Yeah. So that's one. Okay. So that's one of your ideas. So you have this span, Greta. I really like it. Like you have your stories, you have the, you know, a kayaking would be, I would consider a bigger adventure. Yes. Um, But you know, then you have things like owl pellets, um, doing an outdoor performance, learning how to tie different knots and how that's Mm going to help your brain get stronger. And uh, the knots have really cool names, actually. Do you do a lot of that with the scouts? Do the scouts do a lot of that knot tying? Um, I'm going to confess that I'm terrible at knot tying, but that is one of the reasons I included it because it does make your brain stronger because you have to, you have to use your brain. You have to use your hands. You have to remember things. So um, my two older boys who are in scouts are really good at knot tying. And, and I think knot tying is kind of a lost art. Most -hmm. people think, what's the point? Why do I need to know how to tie knots? But um one of my sons is, is a part of a search and rescue program and they have to know how to tie knots when they're, um, strapping people into, um, the, um, I'm blanking on the name of it right now, which I should know. Like if I they get to the back, get test. under a helicopter yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. if they're pulling someone up off a cliff, they're in a litter, wow. it's called a litter basket. That's what it's called. So they have to tie them in with special ropes or, ropes, or if, and using a knot that's really strong, or if they have to pull, um, if they have to like repel down the side of a building, like they need to know knots. Um, but also even just like when we're camping, like the boys can just whip out a knot that's really strong to hold up a tent if it's really windy or hang a hammock um, that they know isn't going to fall down. And 
mine are. <laughs> it's not as, as trustworthy as they're not because they use like the real knots. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, like learning how to tie knots and then taking it out and putting that knowledge to use. That's a kind of adventure. It is. It is. And they have really neat names. So even to learn which names go with which knot, like right. a clove hitch and yes. a slip knot and a sheet bend. I thought these were neat. I wrote some of them down because I hadn't heard of them. Uh, okay. So one of the things, if people follow you on Instagram, um, I just, I love your stories. Uh, you have a beautiful way of telling a story mm-hmm. when you travel. And I know you travel and speak and um you have such a cool way of showing where you're at. And then in, in your home, you're doing really neat things, your sourdough. And so um, people definitely should follow along and follow your stories. One of the things that you posted not that long ago was about Grandma Gatewood. Um, yes. And so I ended up getting the book, Grandma Gatewood's Walk, uh, the inspiring story of the woman who saved the Appalachian Trail, uh, which is just, I just finished it. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, but you talk about doing book road trips, book road trips. That's one of the ideas in the summer section I thought was so intriguing. So can you tell people what, what's a book road trip? Yeah, there are so many books that take place in um, real life geographical areas that you could probably find one that's close to you. And you go to that, you read the book ahead of time, And then you go to the place where the book takes place. And depending on the kind of book, like you are going to learn about like the flora and fauna of that location. And then you go there and you actually see it. You're like, oh, I recognize that plant. Um, Oh, that's in the book. And, And even if you can't, like, of course, the ideal is to be able to go to that location. Like a couple summers ago, we fulfilled like a lifelong dream. I'm 45 years old and I've wanted to do this since I was five. So 40 years in the making, we went to the Ingalls homestead and we stayed um, where Laura Ingalls Wilder and her family lived. And that's such saw, a cool thing. <laughs> oh, it was. It was. But you know what? Even my it. teenage boys loved it. Like every sure. we, We were, I mean, we were driving there on the, like there was the railroad and we're listening to the book as we drove, even though we've listened to it many times. And we're like, that's the railroad Paul was working on. I'm crying. I mean, it was like, it was magic. Um, But that's South Dakota. And that's a long ways for me from Southern California. That's why it took 40 years for that dream to come Mm -hmm. true. But, but there's like a book, um, uh, the Island of the Blue Dolphins. If none of you guys who are listening have read that, you need to read that book with your kids. It's phenomenal. I've been reading it since I was a kid. That took place like two hours north of where I live. And so that's a book where I could read and we could go visit the place where it took, where it happened. And the plants and animals she talks about in that book are plants and animals we see on our hikes. So that makes the book come alive in an incredible way. Yeah. But I will say, even if you can't go to the place and you like the road trip is out of bounds for you, like, because that happens, right? I mean, like I said, 40 years for me to get to the Ingalls homestead, um, you can still adventure through a book. You haven't even gotten to go there, but you can learn about the plants and animals that are in the book. Like I think of the book, the yearling, which takes place in Florida. And I fell in love with 
the Florida landscape and geography and the plants and animals, because I read that book so many times as a kid, I know the names of the plants and animals that are there and, and the people, because I learned about it through the book, I got to experience it through the book. So yeah, it's a one books are such a great way to adventure, whether you get to do it in real life or you're just doing it through the pages of the book. Books are my favorite, favorite kinds of adventures. Yeah. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. Sorry, I got a little excited. No, I think that's really cool. I mean, you took, you talked about the Watsons go to Birmingham. Yes. Which caught my eye because it's Michigan to Alabama and we're in Michigan. Um, And then this grandma Gatewood, she's Mm. in Ohio. So this is our part of the country. And, and she talks about Hawking Hills, which is, is really, um, you feel like you're in a movie. We've been there one time and it's just this phenomenally magical place. And in the book, it talks about how every year there's this yearly winter hike there in January and that thousands of people come, um, and, and gather in her honor and, and they do this hike together. And I learned so much through, through that book. And so, um, 
my mom kind of does it backwards. Like when they vacation, she tries to grab a local book mm. from a bookstore and then, yeah. you know, and then she has that touch point already because she's been there. Like they've been right. to, um, they've been to Stowe, Vermont. And I recently read mm. Maria Von Trapp from Sound of Music. Oh. I read her biography, uh, her autobiography. Uh, I love the sound of music and uh, my kids, my kids are a little like, but I love it. And so I read her autobiography, which is phenomenal. And then I gave it to my mom and then she'd been to the place. So, you know, uh, whether you do it either way, you know, if you travel, you try and find books that are local and um, it really just helps with learning. So, so each section of your book, um, it just has so many ideas for that season and we need ideas. Right. You know, we need ideas. I, um, I was really uh, touched actually recently. Somebody wrote a review of the book. They had already gotten it. And she said that she loved that there are like old fashioned ideas, <laughs> um, yeah. like making tin can stilts. Right. Like that was something I did when I was a kid. And, and so like, like I said, like I tried to channel that little girl inside of me um, and remember the things that we did uh, when we were a kid. And I think it's like kids now, I think parents can sometimes be, uh, what's the right word? I think parents now can believe that we need to provide activities that are so um, so over the top and so engaging because we're competing with what's out there on screens and video games that we forget that often simple is just as engaging because it allows the kids to slow down and to do things on their own or to take ownership in a way when think that they can't, when things are um, more complicated and more um, extravagant. And I think that's, it's good to offer simple. It's good to offer things that let them get their hands dirty. And um, whether that's with dirt or with art supplies or in the kitchen and to just really step into a place where they can just get back to things that are simple and beautiful and um, really just enjoy being a little kid. Yeah. I'm reading this book that's um, slightly frightening called um, Humans Need Not Apply. And it's about the rise in artificial intelligence Mm. and how that's changing the job market. Um, And it's rather fascinating. But, you know, like the thing that machines don't have is creativity. Yes. And um, so that's what we're trying to keep alive, I think, yes. when you talk about these simple things that kids can engage with. And and simple is good, too, because it's readily available. Yes. You know, I think sometimes if the activity is too involved, we're not going to do it. And I, right. I love books like this because um, a parent could look through it and, and so could the child. And they could come mm-hmm. and say some of it they could do right on their own. Right. You know, I want to go right. do this. Or, or they could bring it to you and it wouldn't be that difficult for you. And, you know, for many of them to be able to, to help them get started. And um, so I love, I love that. I, uh, I have a favorite idea I'm saving for the very end. I want to hop to spring uh, because it's spring and your book is coming out in spring and you had some really cool ideas in here. Sunflower house, obviously talk about the adventure Mm -hmm. club. Um, you know, growing a pumpkin, which they say is one of the most fascinating things to grow. Uh, but you have a lot of really in- interesting information here about honey. 
So that's mm. a cool part of your book too, Greta, is that you know you you pop in these little bits of information that are fascinating. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember them? I know you probably wrote it a while ago. <laughs> I did. Uh, no, the honey one. Honey is fascinating. Like honey can last so it has an incredibly long yeah, shelf that's life. That's one of the things I wrote. That a sealed jar of honey can last thousands of yes. years. What? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't realize that there were so many flavors of honey. You say yeah. that there are over 300 flavors of honey in the United States because it's coming from different types of flowers. Yes. Yes. So for example, in our backyard, we have a really large avocado tree and every spring when it's in blossom, it's buzzing with bees. And, um, I never knew until I lived, uh, with an avocado tree in my backyard that avocado honey, we, we haven't tried honey from our tree, but at the farmer's market that is local to us, they had avocado honey. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's our trees buzzing with bees. And she said, yeah, look how dark this avocado honey is. And it's super dark, like, like molasses. And it's really thick and it has a very strong flavor. It's still sweet, but it's very strong, totally different than wildflower honey, which she also had, which was really light. You could almost see through it. Very delicate. Who knew that there would be such a difference between the bees that are buzzing and the wildflowers making honey from that and from avocado trees and then many, many kinds in between. Yeah. Who would know? I mean, you you go to the grocery store, you get honey in the little bear and that's it. It just says honey on it. And then you say to make a pound of honey, a bee colony gathers nectar from 2 million flowers for one pound of honey. So it's a lot to learn there. So you talk about having a honey tasting party. Yeah. How fun. You know, yeah, and, and you would learn about geography. Right. And that's not hard to do. If you go to your farmer's market, they're going to have different kinds of honey that are from your area. Um, but you could even go to like a, a natural grocery store, like a, you know, that's going to have like those little honey sticks and you could order, or you could just get some honey sticks and, you know, make a little honey party, honey tasting party. Like, yeah. What kid isn't going to love that? Yeah, that's a really cool idea. Someday we're coming to California and we're going to kayak with you okay. and we're going to have some avocado honey. Uh, okay. I love it. You know, in the same country, here we are, we have these different experiences and it's yeah. unique and, and fun. Um, autumn is my favorite time of the year here in Michigan because the trees are ablaze and it's just mm. absolutely gorgeous. Uh, you have a whole list of pumpkin treats. You're really good in the kitchen. I do love to cook. Did you grow up? Did you grow up? uh, I didn't grow up baking a ton because my mom didn't love making a huge us to make a huge mess in the kitchen. (laughs) But um, I have learned since becoming an adult and I I do love to bake. It's fun. Mm -hmm. And you're really good at it. Like I said, your your Instagram is unique in your stories because they're, they're very intriguing and they kind of draw you in and like what's Greta doing today <laughs> so you do a cool job of of your photography and you just do interesting things I like that you're eclectic uh, but you have some really cool things in the autumn section as well um, even stitching uh, learning how the different types of stitch which reminded me of the knots actually yeah well, um, I think that's another lost art or it, it can be lost and yeah I mean it's really 
a wonderful thing to be able to like occupy your hands when you're, you know, just hanging out around the fire talking or sitting in the living room or my daughter and I took a trip and she finger knitted on the plane because she couldn't bring her knitting needles. Um, and so she was finger knitting. And I just think, think that's a wonderful thing to be able to use our hands um, what I have found with my own kids is I read aloud for school um, every single day, ages 18 down to 10. And I've been doing it for their entire school career and, and having their hands busy while I read aloud has been an incredible tool to help them um, concentrate and listen from the time they were very young until now an adult, whether that's drawing, knitting, building Legos, um, sewing, but moving their hands, it seems counterintuitive because you're like, oh, they're, they're not sitting still, but it actually is very calming to have their hands be busy. And it really helps them listen and absorb what they're, what they're listening to. Yeah. I've talked to someone else about it. Carla Hannaford, um, wrote this book called smart moves and she's a PhD. She's in her seventies now. Um, but she has a part in her book where she would she used to lecture and she said the people that did the best in her yes. classes were the ones that were knitting sweaters. And like yes. you said, it's counterintuitive, but it must keep your brain engaged Yes, in some sort of a way. Um, Another you know. one of your podcasts where I'm um, somebody who demonstrates that is John Muir Laws and uh, he journals. And um, I got to speak at a conference with him a couple years ago. Wow. And it may have been one of the highlights of my life that wow. he journaled through my whole talk. And when I was done, he wow. showed me his page of my talk. And I like almost just like fainted with joy and also wow. cried with tears of joy. But he, he talks about how powerful it is for our brains to engage by taking in the information audibly, but then to, to use our hands and for him to draw out and to doodle what he's listening to. And um, that's a really powerful tool to give our kids, whether it's drawing, or like I said, um, playing with Play-Doh, sculpting something, sewing, knitting, there's so many ways for them to, to be busy with their hands and that helps them listen. It helps them be calm, pay attention and absorb more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And heading into the fall, you know, when it's starting to get cooler and the days are growing shorter. I mean, th- this is what people used to do, right? Instead of right. clicking on the television, they would sew yes. and they would create things. Even I thought about the journaling with that grandma Gatewood because the only way that that Ben Montgomery was able to write that book is because she had journaled. Yes. You know, he would write these things about her day to day and, and she's, you know, wrestling with porcupines and, but you know, no one would know any of that except that she wrote it down. And I think she wrote down some of the minutia too. Right. Um, which sort of helped him to piece together uh, all that time when she was mostly alone. So it's encouraging to use our hands and to journal and, um, and uh, I got to go on to my favorite. Are we okay. ready? I'm excited. What Are is you it? ready? Here's my favorite. Yeah, I'm really excited. Okay. What should you choose? Okay. Because I've seen you talk about it. In in the winter, you take people baked goods. Yes. 
it's the coolest thing. I read about it too, or I saw you do it too late. And I just got this book now. So I'm like, right. I'm already gearing up for the winter months. Uh, you, you know, you have this bake and take so many cool ideas in the in the winter book nooks and different book lists and solstice and party around the world. There's so many cool things in here. But uh, bake and take is like, I'm doing it this year. Tell us about what you do. Well, um, so ours centers around specifically around Christmas and we make homemade cinnamon rolls and we bake hundreds of them. So we bake like uh, the one batch makes like eight trays like uh, that are like this big of cinnamon rolls. And I usually like will double, triple, quadruple, whatever. Um, and we try to take them warm and, you know, bring them on like in the morning on a Saturday and deliver them around the neighborhood. Um, we wear, you know, festive hats and, um, we also drive and we try to deliver. Um, we try to have different people on the list every year so, um, that we can include new people that we've met, or if we know somebody's having a rough time, um, or we just are like, this person needs to be on the list this year. Um, so the neighbor's always, but then the driving one, we, you know, we drive around, we sing Christmas carols as we're driving. And then we walk up to the house and ring the doorbell and say, Merry Christmas. And, um, it's a wonderful way to connect with people. And it's a wonderful way to connect with each other as we're rolling out this giant log (laughs) of cinnamon roll on the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about it, like when I, when I saw you were doing it last year and it was right around the holidays and I think it was too late. I was like, oh, I want to do that so bad. But it was, it, we'd already sort of passed the point of no return uh, to make it happen. But I thought, you know, you want to, you want to make people in your life feel special and feel seen. Mm-hmm. And at the holidays, sometimes there's so many people and it can get expensive. And what do you right. get them? And uh, I always feel lost at that time a little bit. Like I, I want yeah. these people to know that I really think highly of them and and they're so special to our family. And, you know, you want to do something like that. And I thought it's brilliant because who doesn't want food, you know, right. around, the, especially around the holidays. Yeah. And I was even thinking like, you know, it's in the winter section. So into January and February, mm-hmm. when sometimes you're in those dull months, right. Um, you know, to do something like that, to, like you said, drive around, uh, just show up at people's homes with, um, you had some different ideas in there, like fudge. Yeah. Um, I know cinnamon rolls is the one that you were doing at the holidays. But We've also done um, like citrus breads, like quick breads are great because you can do mini ones and then that stretches it. And in, in Southern California, citrus is in season in January and February. So you can make lemon bread and we've like done lemon bread deliveries at Valentine's day. And that's a surprise because people are like, what you're giving me a Valentine, like, <laughs> you know, and that's a fun surprise or one year we, we couldn't do it. At Christmas just it wasn't it wasn't working so we de- made New Year's deliveries um or like you said just randomly like hey let's make bake goods for people um and it's just a it is it's just nice to let people know that you value them and you're thinking of them it's nice yeah. to feel known yeah it is and I like the idea I think the Valentine's Day is great I always think about my single mom friends on Valentine's mm-hmm. Day I'm always wanting to do something for them um, so that they, you know, feel loved and appreciated and like you said, seen and and all that sort of stuff. So to take baked goods, 
It's such, I mean, it's such a great idea. And so I have really only just scratched the surface um, here, Greta. I'm going to hold open the, um, the beginning with the uh, index, the contents. I mean, there's, there's so many for each season. There's a hundred. So, and I loved, I thought it was really cute. Um, well, here's a picture of your family. Yeah, all the pictures in the book are pictures from our life. Like they're real things. Like yeah. there's a picture even like of our van <laughs> on a road trip when we went to like the Redwood Forest. And there's like a, a we taught I there's a little bit about our dog that we lost while I was writing the book and about finding his hair in a hummingbird nest in our backyard. Like uh, those are I feel like that those are things about the book that feel really special because it is an activity book, but it's an activity book um, of things from our life and yeah. uh, things that you've I, actually yeah. done and things that have actually been meaningful um, for your family. I love that. And I think pictures are engaging for kids because then they can see themselves in it um, and, and want to do it, you know, when we're drawing them away from screens, which are also so enticing. Right. Um, yeah, so cute. Like I see this little, there's like a little craft fair here Yeah. Uh, with fresh squeezed tangerine juice. <laughs> I love it. It's so different than here in Michigan. We would have apple cider. That's what we Yes, have. you um, would. And it would be delicious because we, we don't have apple trees growing here. It's too warm. So yeah, it's interesting. Go to the mountains. Yeah. But I felt like the book was really good about, um, you could adapt it you know, yes. for where you're at and make it special and unique. I also thought was right. really cool, Greta, is that um, at the start of each season, it looks like a little bucket list. Yes. You got a cool quote there, um, but you got the little the little checklist uh, for each season. So, um, so Greta, if people are interested in this, they could pre-order. Uh, um, but I'm probably going to, this will probably launch when it's already ready to buy. So, so it'll come in... Um, short notice whether yeah, you get it'll it come from, people could get it in a day yeah, or two or exactly or go to your local bookstore that's awesome i love it when yeah. when the, you find them there or um you know your big bookstore it's going to be yeah. everywhere yeah <laughs> and a lot of times at the local places they can order it for you yes if they don't have it uh, and and i highly recommend your other book as well i mean they pair really cute together you know it'll be a so really cool. nice gift for a friend um, a nice gift at a baby shower um for people that just make sure that they have a, a lifetime a family you know family full of memories yeah. Um, I think it's, I, it is uh, one of my passions to help families create culture of connection in their family. And I think there are many ways we can do that, but adventuring is a really powerful connecting tool. And so to be able to help parents and families create that culture and, and to connect so that their kids and their families are connected, not just while their kids are little, but through the teen years and into adulthood. That is an incredible gift. Yeah, and I see you doing that. I think uh, it's really neat to to watch it unfold for your family. Like you said, you have a senior, um, you have a child that's graduating, and you're continuing to foster connection through activities that they love. Uh, you just recently did a, a mural. Yeah. 
that was a big thing, right? A whole group. Yeah. 32 foot mural for my oldest son's Eagle Scout project. And it was, it was so incredible to see him take charge and leadership, but also for people to come together to support him and help him achieve his goal. Um, That was definitely an adventure. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness. So you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops' price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code OUTSIDE120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside120. Well, and you can see it though. Like when you post about it, you can see that it's fostering connection both within your family, but also out of the family as well because yeah. I saw like it's, you got pizza boxes and right. there's all sorts of people there. I felt like that with that Grandma Gatewood's walk. Yes. Um, that one of the things that's unexpected is that your circle of influence increases and expands. And here's this grandma. She just went for a walk, you know, mm-hmm. down the Appalachian Trail. She didn't even tell anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and here it is at the end. She's got hundreds of people walking with her and thousands right. of people are doing these hikes every year in her honor. Right. And so I can see that with your life too, you know, that oh, you're doing these you. things and, and maybe they're not, you know, massively huge, but you're really intersecting other people's lives. Just like that little group that came up to me at that conference and they're like, this is our adventure club, you know? Um, so that's really awesome. Uh, one last thing that I saw a little bit of a theme in your book, uh, you, you say, you talk about looking up, mm-hmm. um, you know, I want my kids to smile and say hello instead of looking down at a screen. I want them to look up and see a hawk. Um, I want them to get lost in a story. 
uh, I want them to be changed by the amazing world we live in. How how are you, especially as your kids are getting older, you know, and screens are so pervasive, how, um, how are you and your family managing to maintain balance? Um, that made me tear up because, uh, because I think it's so important and it's so valuable. And literally yesterday we experienced this, um, because we were staying, um, with relatives for a few days. And so our usual routine was, um, sort of off and there was opportunity for a lot more screen time than we have at home. We, um, just, we don't spend very much time on screens, but I try not to be like so dogmatic about it that, um, that we have, um, big fights, right? right. Um, instead to create more opportunities, um, to be off screens that, that are so enticing. We're like, Oh, we don't need those. Mm-hmm. But in this circumstance, um, the screens were very enticing. And so one of my kids was struggling and, um, I'm like, we're going to go for a hike. And this child didn't really want to go. They wanted to just keep being on screens. And I, and I was like, you know, I know you want to, um, to stay here, but I, I promise based on, <laughs> based on evidence from the past, we will have a good time if we go. And sure enough, um, you know, two miles down the trail, um, we were having a great time and not looking down, we we're looking up and we saw, we saw one of those hawks and we saw a beehive and we, um, we just were enveloped in the world around us, which is a beautiful place to be. And so I am fully, I fully recognize that there is uh, a struggle sometimes to get our kids um, out into experiencing the world. And sometimes we have to ask them to trust us and we have to ask them to remember the times in the past when it was worth it. And when they do, we can show them that it again and again it is worth it. Um, so I think to answer your question, uh, more <laughs> less in less story form and more succinctly, um, I think what I try to do is, like I said, not to be dogmatic about it so that we're fighting all the time over screens, but instead to provide one opportunity after another that is more um enticing than the time on the screen, because that is not the real world. But when we get our kids into the real world, then they can say, wow, this is, this is real life. I want to experience real life. Real life is really good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I have, well, you have sparked for me, um, from the last book, one of the things I really want to do is to do a surprise trip oh, yes. um, with our kids. And then from this book, I'm uh, the bake and take thing is, is on my list uh, among so many others. Do you, um, we usually end with a favorite childhood memory outside, but we've been uh, together a couple times. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite from the book? Um, yeah, I do. Actually, one of my favorites from the book is, um, is, has to do with foraging. 
because I have fallen in love with foraging as a grown-up. <laughs> I'm so into That's so it. cool. <laughs> um, and so there are so many things that you can forage and there's so many real life like plants that are out there that you can use to eat cook with medicinally and so I have a recipe for one in there it's stinging nettle pesto and um wow we we have we've actually made stinging nettle tea um but stinging nettle pesto was new and I, I I love pesto I've made pesto with arugula instead of basil like what there's stinging nettle pesto so actually um on my agenda this week stinging nettles are um like out right now where we live they're all over the place and so we're gonna go harvest some and um make it my kid well, what I, do you I, do though i mean it, it hurts so bad you wear gloves yeah you have to wear gloves yeah. and um but you can harvest it if you wear gloves we've actually taken um like thick those like thick bat like plastic bags like mm -hmm. the, from like target or something so they're like a the thicker disposal bag yeah. and we we put them over our hands so that like the bag extends down our arms because stinging nettles are long and right. so you don't want it to get sting on your arms and nope. so you you pull them and then you take off the bag and you pull it down your arm and around the stinging nettle and then you get your bag of stinging nettle and you haven't gotten stung we also have learned if you get stung lavender essential oil um, okay. is a wonderful to take this thing away. Um, and it still hurts a little if you get stung, but, yeah. um, it doesn't last a super long time and, um, it's not poisonous or deadly. Mm -hmm. It's just a little bit, um, painful and then, for a short time. And then do you dry it out and use it or do you the, use it in its like you to, fresh form? Well, like, so if you're going to make tea, you would use, um, you would dry it. But for the yeah. stinging nettle, um, you, you don't just pop it in your food processor fresh because then it will still keep stinging, but you, you actually cook it. So it gets a little mushy and, okay. um, but it doesn't, it, it's not like goopy and disgusting. Um, but, um, yeah, I haven't yet made it with my kids and had them try it. So, I mean, I, I want to share it online and. <laughs> They're, yeah. they might be like, nope, mom, this isn't good. But I'm okay, even if that's the case, that yeah. like, if that's the case, then that's fine. Like they don't- yeah, you tried to, it. Yeah, they don't, we don't have to love everything. I mean, we, I remember one time we found turkey tail um, uh, mushrooms and tried those. And it was like chewing on a piece of bark. Like it was not good at all, but it was so fun just to try it. Yeah. So I think it's really fun to experience nature in a different way. So foraging is something that I'm learning more about and I love it. Very so it's cool. one of my favorites. Yeah. And it's in the book here. I love that you have common edible plants in the wild, yes. including chickweed and wild radish. How cool. So, okay. So Greta, if people want to buy this book, obviously they can find it online, a local bookstore. If they want to find more about you, uh, your Instagram and your website, where, where should they go? So my website is simple, GretaEskridge.com, and um, I'm most active on Instagram, and my handle is Ma and Pa Modern, but if that's too hard to remember, you can just look up Greta Eskridge, and I'll pop right up. Perfect. And 
That's and we can, and we right. can Hang follow out. your follow your adventures of stinging nettle pesto. I'm so excited. Yes. Well, Greta, thank you. It's always just a pleasure and a joy to talk to you. Way to go on another book. I know it's such a huge accomplishment. I feel like it's like birth. It's it's a big deal bringing something new into the world. So congrats, and uh, hopefully you and I get to connect in person sometime soon. Yes, let's go apple cider tasting or <laughs> yes. honey sweating. tasting. Any of the things. <laughs> yeah, I want to come tie pooling we got a flip-flop spots here so uh well thanks Greta thank you I love being with you Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.